Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's session of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're doing well and uh, having a fantastic day. So today's podcast session is a solo episode and uh, it's titled Why I'm Done Building a $1 Million a Year Business. I know that sounded a little clickbaity, but there's so much truth in this and it wasn't at all clickbaity. It was actually meant to honestly and openly share something that I have been struggling with for many months. And in fact, the idea for this episode came to me several months ago, and I have been sitting with it, thinking through it, wondering if it's helpful, really scared to be vulnerable and share all of these, like, you know, ups and downs of entrepreneurship. But on the other hand, as you know, a big part of my responsibility and honestly a big part of my joy is to share what I am navigating uh, as we build Selling the Couch with the simple hope that it helps you and inspires you on your own journey. So that's where I, I landed with all of this. And so today what I wanted to simply share was just five realizations that I've had recently that's made me realize that I don't necessarily want to build a $1 million a year business. And actually, let me take a step back and and even speak a little bit more. You know, the first time when I had a, like, I would say stable salary was right when I was on internship. And when I was at Vandy, it was, um, I I think my salary was something like $1,800 a month. And I remember at that time, you know, I, I paid rent. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment. I paid for all our groceries and even somehow managed to save up for our wedding on that salary. And then I remember when I became a postdoc, it got bumped up to like 2400 or something like that. And I just thought, this is amazing. You know, like, what will I do with that extra income? And of course, you should probably know me by now. You know, saved a little bit for our wedding and I invested a, a lot of it as well. Uh, just because like I had taken uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. This is back in like 2009, 2010. And, uh, and I knew that, you know, I wanted to really be strategic with investing and all of those things. And I, you know, learned about compound interest and all of that stuff. So all of that, it brings me to, I just simply shared that because, you know, obviously we've gotten married, you know, as our income has increased, to be completely honest, like, all right, don't know that our lifestyle has really increased that significantly. Uh, and 
So, cause I'm like, I think Susan and I are both aware of this, right? To not let like lifestyle creep get into the picture. So last year, uh, STC made 151,300 some, some dollars in total revenue. Um, I also, you know, had a, a good chunk of that came actually into expenses, which I'll share that in a future episode, but it was the most that I've actually ever made in S with STC. And now you might be listening and being like, Mel, like I thought STC made a lot more. And others, you might be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Others would be like, oh my gosh, that's very little because I make so much more than that. So wherever you land, I hope all of this is helpful. Prior to that, this again, not including clinical work, but prior to that, the most STC I had ever made in revenue was around 85000 So for me to essentially double it was in the course of a year, it was pretty amazing to me. And it took a lot of work. And actually, the biggest work was doing stuff with money, realizing that at this point, you know, I have the good fortune to have authority and trust where I can charge premium prices on things. And it was just a lot of my own like work around my trauma around money. And I came to the realization on a couple of different things. So the very first point I wanted to share was I realized that you can't build a lifestyle business and a high revenue one. You can't build a lifestyle business and a high revenue one. I recently watched a video by Dr. Ali Abdal, who is a Cambridge-educated physician who actually left medicine in order because his YouTube channel was making significantly more income and he was able to have that lifestyle that he wanted. And in this YouTube video, it's titled How I Failed in 2022. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But in the YouTube video, there's a bunch of really good really good content. It's about a 40-minute video. There's just a lot of really good insights. I've actually watched this video about three or four times just to, and I feel like every time I listen to it, I, I learn something new. And the basic premise of this is Ali learned through conversations with mentors, you know, people that were generating 10 million plus revenue earning founders and coaches and, you know, who work with like, you know, high productivity, high revenue income, you know, how high revenue producing folks, that it's really hard to optimize for lifestyle and for high, high revenue. So this was actually a conversation that I had with, with my friend Kay He from Rad Reads recently. And, you know, Kay's argument was that, you know, he didn't think that you could actually get above 200 to 250 max 300-ish in that ballpark without needing to hire on significantly more help. And so it brought up a lot of questions for me of one is, you know, do I want to bring on more people into STC? And what I came to realize, and some of this may change, you know, as I get older and we enter in different seasons of life, but in this current season of life with a young child at home, I actually don't want to the the challenge or the of managing more people and having a team and being responsible for you know salaries on of multiple people and all of those kind of things and again not saying that it's not a that you shouldn't do that right at all yeah it's more of this is what seems to work for me and so one of the again the conclusion that I'll leave basically was he basically made a choice to optimize for lifestyle over revenue. So basically saying, hey, I'm okay with me not maximizing the potential of my business 
if it means that I get to live the life that I want. That was profound to me because Ali the previous year had made about $2.5 million in revenue and had a team of 19 people at one point. Uh, we've never gotten, so, you know, we have my Nicole, who's our my VA slash head of operations. We have a podcast editor. We have, you know, these are all independent contractors, somebody that helps us, you know, with bookkeeping. At most, it's like five to six people. And I like that, you know, I like it mainly because I thought a lot about the lifestyle that I want. And honestly, like I have the life that I want, which is basically I get deep work time in the mornings. I get a midday hike. I get a daily 25 hour power nap. Uh, go pick up our daughter from school, drop her off at, you know, relative's house just for a couple of hours. Um, she's being watched. And then I come back and I do a couple of hours of learning time. And then evenings are cooking home-cooked meals and time with my family. And I rinse and repeat that day after day. And then on weekends, it's, you know, no work. And it's just time for self-care and time for family, time for friends. And I just, I really have had to ask this question of like, Mel, if this is the life that you want and you're just about there, and I think... There's some revenue stuff, which I'll, I'll cover here in a little bit later that, you know, I would like a little bit more revenue. And that's the little balance that I'm constantly trying to navigate, mainly just, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, we want to do personally, some of the stuff that we want to do in terms of charitable giving, all of those kind of things. And so that was kind of the, the first point. And by the way, I should have premised this, this uh, podcast will be a little bit rambly because part of it is I, I wrote out the, some points. And I was like, you know what, I don't want to like fully script this because I want to talk in the moment and really feel emotions that come up. And yeah, so the second point is I actually don't need that much money. You know, $1 million a business, this is again, revenue. So before expenses, that would approximately be, I think, 80 some thousand dollars a month coming in. And again, I Everybody, I think the best thing all of us can do, right, is to live a life according to our values and what's most important to us. When I looked at my own life and looked at our life, right, like the most significant personal expense I have is a $97 a month membership to our spa, which gives me unlimited dry floats and unlimited infrared saunas. And I realized like the more I thought about it, maybe we'll get, you know, a car payment. But, you know, right now, it's nice. We haven't had car payments in, I would say, 10 years, right? And all we really have is our mortgage that we're accounting for. We are, you know, fortunately debt-free on every other domain. And I kind of like this simple lifestyle and we don't have that significant of expenses. Uh, and let me take a step back, which is when you record an episode like this, you often think like, you know, the challenge that I always like think about is I don't, want any of you to take this and be like, you know, this is what Mal's doing. So let me just run with it. The thing I wanted to acknowledge is I have tremendous privilege, you know, and so many levels that I know that I'm half not even aware of, but like even just a, a basic one, you know, I have a partner, we have a dual income household. My partner also um, has, you know, as a, a professional, she's an attorney, so she's got that salary, right? So it's just, there's, and I realize not everybody has that, right? Like I was talking to one of our colleagues and they were talking about how, why they have to have a bigger business is because they're not 
just paying for themselves, but they're paying for, you know, their kiddos who have enough special needs, and they also have like Asian grandparents. And so they're essentially bringing on accounting for the salary of like three generations. And I just thought that was such a profound thing. And something, you know, I have the good fortune to not have to struggle with or have to consider. And yeah, so Hey there, I hope that you're enjoying today's podcast session. So I've, you know, jumped back into private practice and I decided to go the private pay route. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is how do I tap into outer network benefits for clients that might want to use it? Now, the common sort of perspective or tip that a lot of folks say is just to provide a super bill for clients. But the reality is, I feel like most clients aren't going to go take a super bill and then call the insurance company and then deal with that whole mess of trying to communicate with the insurance companies and waiting on reimbursement and all of that kind of stuff, right? And then at some point, especially if they're keenly aware of budget and stuff like that, they're like, oh my gosh. I may not be able to afford working with this therapist and all of those kind of things, right? This is where Thryzer comes in. And the really cool thing with Thryzer is that they will actually float the clients for the sessions. So basically, when you sign up for Thryzer, you can automatically submit out-of-network claims for your clients. It's simply done through an app. It literally takes seconds. And Thryzer takes care of all of the insurance stress. So we don't have to deal with it as clinicians. Our clients don't have to deal with it. And clients just pay what they owe for for actual sessions, i.e. like the difference between your rate and the reimbursement rate in order to skip the long insurance wait. All they have to do is pay the standard 3% credit card fee. There is no monthly contracts or fees or anything like that. If you would like to try out Thryzer, you can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, enter the promo code STC so that your first $2,500 in fees are waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and Thryzer is spelled T-H-R-I-Z-E-R, and enter the promo code STC. Number three is more growth equals more complexity. You know, we have a weekly newsletter uh, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash newsletter. would love for you to join. And one of the sections of that newsletter is a section called On Mel's Mind, which is basically every week I take a blog post, a video, a tweet, a LinkedIn post, something that is inspiring me to be a better business owner and a better person. And I basically break down that blog post into a short little summary of it, and then how I'm applying it to my life, how I'm applying to my business. And recently, I shared this blog post with my friend, uh, Kehi, who wrote about the business pivot that he is making. And so he basically had a, last year, he generated $645,000 in revenue. And it's a great read. Uh, And I, I shared that post in our weekly newsletter kind of broke it down. And Kay has an excellent uh, chart in that blog post, which talks about the level of complexity that a business has as you hire more people. It's a great visual of like, you know, when you go from one to five people, like now you're accounting for all of these people having to converse each other and the levels of complexity. And I realized that, you know, for me, 
as much as I think to myself that I can handle multiple levels of complexity and think through things, I actually like very simple kind of thinking. And I actually don't want that level of complexity. Just to be open and honest, and I've shared this in previous episodes, I struggle with some fairly significant anxiety. It's always there. And I think in seasons, it can get worse. And one of the biggest triggers I've noticed is when there's entrepreneurial stress beyond a certain threshold. And anytime that we have actually tried to grow STC, it seems like that anxiety has come back. And uh, there was actually a time last year in 2022 where I, where STC, you know, we launched our online course mastermind. It went from a non-existent product to basically I was, you know, making $10,000 a month in, in revenue uh, coming in. And at that point we had about 30% expenses. So basically my take-home income was basically six, you know, six-ish, right, per month, not including online course sales, which were a couple thousand a month as well. So, you know, I was making good income and, but, and I thought to myself, there was a moment where I was like, you know, Mel, if this is doing well, if, if this is a good thing, then more, you should want to do more of this. And so I tried that for a season. And to be completely honest, I battled really bad insomnia. Uh, There were nights where I would get up thinking about stuff that needed to be done for the business. It would be like 1.15 in the morning and my mind could not shut off. And I would go, I know this is not a good thing to do, but it's like I would just get back into the home office and work for like a couple of hours. And I thought to myself, Mel, this is not a long-term sustainable model for anybody. And more than that, you know, part of what you are doing in creating a podcast like this is you're being a model for others. And you cannot, you know, preach one thing, preach self-care and building a life around your family and your health. And yet, in, and in other domains, do the exact opposite of what you're preaching. So I just realized, like, it's okay. Like, it is okay to not want complexity. It is okay to want simplicity. And that's where I'm landing. The fourth point is just this realization that my self-worth isn't tied to a number. This one is a hard one for me. It's very hard. I know that, you know, if this is your first time ever listening to an episode, you know, our family immigrated to the U.S. from India in the late 1980s. So I was actually born in South India. English is my second language. And I share that because when, you know, we first landed in Texas, we lived outside of Dallas because that's where a lot of my, you know, my dad's family was. And I remember from day one, like really having to struggle and, and because, you know, again, I didn't speak the language. So as soon as I got into school, I had to go to ESL classes. And I think the school that we were assigned to, uh, which was walking distance from the apartment that we, you know, we were renting, I, I don't know if they just didn't have the facilities or the capability to provide. So I, what I needed. So I ended up transferring to another school that was in the same school district. And so, you know, I would have to take an earlier bus and do all of these different things. And I just remember from an early age, always feeling like I couldn't just be great at something. I had to be like excellent at something to fit in, you know? And so like even academically, right? Academics was my calling card. Sports were my other calling card as well. Uh, Although, you know, being 5'10", 5'11", on a good day, (laughs) 
I mean, my NBA dreams were quickly crushed by that. But, you know, I, I played a lot of, I played, you know, primarily basketball and primarily football, a little, did a little bit of baseball, but primarily I would say basketball. And that was the way that I fit in, like being, you know, really good at sports and really good at academics. And, you know, with academics, like, you know, I, I think about this all the time, you know, it wasn't like I initially went into undergrad pre-med. I was going to go to medical school, be a pediatrician. At that point, I had struggled a little bit like in AP Chem in high school and a little bit in AP Calculus in, in high school as well. But when I started taking like OCHEM and stuff like that, it was just so over my head and just not the way that I thought. I remember like I just realized I couldn't, it's just not the way I thought and I couldn't like cut it that I, I realized I just couldn't cut it, right? And so I shifted to psychology and it wasn't, and I graduated and went from like really struggling academically to, to like, you know, being on Dean's list and all of that stuff. And so when I graduated, it wasn't like I was going to go get my master's, right? It was like, I, you know, I got into a, you know, I had a good fortune of getting directly into a PhD program after my bachelor's. And so this idea of always not just being good, but being excellent it's exhausting after a while. Uh, it is mentally exhausting. It really puts, it just, it messes with your self-worth. And what I've come to realize like over these years is academics has been my thing. And, you know, the privilege and the the influence that I have with STC, that's something that I have to constantly weigh because it's the allure of entrepreneurship is so enticing for every one of us. It's especially enticing when you have grown up your whole life thinking like excellence is what you should do, like excellence is, you know, the bare minimum kind of thing. And I've realized in, you know, this is again through a lot of brain spotting, a lot of therapy these couple of years, like STC is what I do. It is not fully what I am, right? There is a part of STC that is me, right? And yet it is not who I am. And I think I know that if you're listening, you understand this because, you know, we build all of these businesses and we put our heart and soul into this. And it is so easy to not let our self-worth be tied to it. And yet I think one of the best things that we can do is to remove ourselves from it uh, to some degree if we also want the business to grow, but also if we want to practice that thing that we often tell our clients when it comes to self-care and, and, uh, the last thing is, you know, for me, I've thought a lot about redefining what success looks like for me in this season. For a long time, it was just financial. And it's a weird kind of side note thing. You know, when I thought when in the early days of STC, I, you know, made a couple of thousand dollars a year, I was primarily still doing clinical work. And as I started to make more, I pulled back on clinical work. And I remember I hit around like $38,000 in revenue for STC. That I think was around the ballpark of like what I had made as a postdoc. And it was around the ballpark of what I had made in, you know, a private practice. Like when I was in the group practice working as a, you know, independent contractor psychologist. And I just thought that was amazing. And yet this weird thing happens in entrepreneurship, which is once you reach a certain revenue goal, that becomes your new floor. And now you think anything less than that is somehow not successful. 
uh, which is just really weird. And I haven't like fully worked through this, but it's something that I notice in myself. As I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm a big basketball fan and there's a great YouTube channel I would check out is JJ Reddick. So uh, JJ Reddick. So JJ was a shooting guard at at Duke and then went to the NBA, played for multiple seasons, a, an excellent three-point shooter. And JJ retired from the NBA a couple of years ago and launched a podcast. And in this recent episode that I was listening to, one of the things that JJ talked about was, and it was uh, a podcast interview with J.R. Smith, which is another former NBA player uh, who actually went back to college after he retired from the NBA because he was one of the that he actually went straight to the NBA from high school. So he never had, you know, had the opportunity to go to college, but it's something that he promised his mom. And one of the things that JJ said in that podcast was when he retired, he had to think about and redefine what winning was for him. Right. And he also had to redefine what winning was for him when he was playing in the NBA, because in the early seasons being in the NBA, he went from like being very successful at Duke to playing on teams that just weren't winning a lot. And so if in the NBA winning is winning the NBA championship and you're on a bad team, it's just not possible. Right. So you have to redefine what winning is. And I found myself listening to that episode and thinking like, I have to redefine what winning is because for me, winning has often been about revenue. And now, and maybe it's like a part of it is just the function of age to right? And and doing STC for eight years, you know, starting this in my early 30s and now being in my early, just turning 41. And so I think like what I'm thinking about winning and what it means, I think it's really getting shifted Again, I used to think it was just revenue, and now I realize I like a more complete picture of it, which is that I have a healthy business, but I also have a healthy mind, I have a healthy body, I have healthy relationships, that I'm an excellent husband, Susan, that I'm a great dad to our daughter. And that feels more holistic and more healthy for me. And yeah, so... What is some of the practical stuff out of this? Before I get there, just the five points again, you can't build a lifestyle business and a high revenue one. Number two is I don't actually need that much money. Three is more growth is more complexity. Fourth is my self-worth is tied to a number. And then fifth is redefining what success is. So some of the real practical things, right, is my goal is to have in the ballpark of a $300,000 a year in revenue business. So that would be approximately about $25,000 a month. I am a big advocate of the Profit First system. Uh, If you haven't heard about Profit First, I definitely encourage you to look it up. It's a great way of looking at the revenue that you're making for your business and how much of it should go to taxes, how much should you be paying yourself, how much of it should be for expenses, that kind of stuff. And in that model, if you're building around a $300,000 business or 25 k a month, uh, what they would recommend is about 40% of that money should go into expenses. So that would be about $10,000 a month in expenses off of a $25,000 in revenue. So and you might be thinking like, Mel, that's a lot of money. I would never need that much money. Or you might be like, Mel, that's totally reasonable. Or you might be thinking like, Mel, that is way too little, <laughs> whatever, however you land. It's all okay and it's all good. 
And for me, right, that 10K would allow me to build out some of the things that I want for SDC, bring on a little bit more, streamline our team a little bit, add some of the features to our mastermind, just to provide those members even more value as they build out their online courses. And I think there's something really nice about being able to support other entrepreneurs with a business that you've built because, you know, people poured into me. And then Profit First, again, 15% on taxes. Basically, I would be taking home around $12,000 a month. And that plus Susan's salary, I think that would be enough and more. Again, this isn't just necessarily about a lifestyle thing because it's more of like, to be completely honest, like it's, there's stuff that we want to be able to do with in terms of charitable giving, particularly at the intersection of girls' education and poverty. And, uh, you know, I, I think hitting those kind of revenue goals would allow us to make a very sizable impact. And yeah, that's sort of where my mind is going. Practically also, this means, you know, we have an online course mastermind for therapists that you can check out over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. This is specifically for therapists that are five plus years in, clearing 100,000 that have built successful practices, but now want to add a online course to their toolkit and want to be with other therapists who are doing this, want to do it legally and ethically and all of those things. And what I decided is we're actually going to cap our online course mastermind to around 35 members at any one time. And you might be thinking like, well, that is a dumb idea. Why would you cap a scalable offer? It might be a dumb idea. I might come back <laughs> later. But you know, the way that I'm thinking about this now is, you know, with that mastermind, what I really value is not just numbers. What I actually value is the authentic relationships that I get to have with our colleagues. You know, we do stuff in there that is intentionally, it's not scalable, right? Like, for example, they have a one-on-one -on -one boxer, like a voice memo chat with me Monday through Thursday, and they can ask me questions, things that they're struggling with. And I really like it because it's fun. I love the relational piece of it. I love the intimacy of the mastermind. I love the vulnerability when you have, you know, that like a around 35-ish members, right? It's a lot harder to have that vulnerability and all of those things when you have 150, 200 members in a Zoom room, you know? So, and then the other kind of things is, you know, any of our, I, I'm a course creator at heart. I'm a creator at heart. And what I realized is like any of our upcoming courses, you know, Healthcasters is a, our podcasting course for therapists is a standalone course uh, now, which you can, you know, check out over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash join the healthcasters. But I've got a few more in the pipeline. Uh, these aren't like, these are definitely happening, but you know, some of the ones that I'm actively thinking about, which is, you know, a digital course on courses, thinking about a course on LinkedIn, I'm thinking about a course on email marketing, uh, there's a course on how to run a successful mastermind that I'm thinking through because I'm learning a ton as we launch our and grow our mastermind. But all of those courses will actually be housed within the membership portal for the mastermind members. And the main reason is because one, we want to give value to our mastermind members, like blow them out of the water with regard to like what they actually get. Uh, but two, like from a practical perspective, each product and service that you launch, it takes time to market it, right? You have to expend mental energy and a lot of times financial resources to market it. And I like the simplicity of having one mastermind, which is, you know, theoretically scalable. 
And then I like the fact of having an online course that, you know, brings in the one-off income. It's something that I teach to our mastermind, colleagues in our mastermind. It's something that seems to be working really well. And then I'm going to basically the rest of the time, I'm going to use to continue to pick up some old passions, landscape and astrophotography is stuff I've done for a long time. Uh, I want to pick up some new ones, which is uh, online writing uh, and doing more of that and uh, creating. I'm really into getting into Canva and you know, designing really nice stuff on Canva, taking all those APR courses that I took and uh, putting them to good use now. And then, you know, the other two things are, you know, raising a daughter, you know, Chloe, I, you know, you know, many of you know this, but, you know, Chloe was seven and a half weeks early. She was a preemie. And ever since literally the day she was born, we have invested a significant amount of time and energy and resources into her. And I love, like, I always, always, always wanted a daughter. And I love being, even though, you know, parenting has definitely its challenges and struggles, um, you know, on the whole, like, I love being a dad and I love raising a daughter. And I, that I want to continue to be hands-on, um, you know, and active. Uh, I want to model things that I want for her to internalize. Uh, I want to model that in my business. I also know that as a girl growing up in a society like this with a multitude of complexities and challenges and systemic kind of things, I know that one of the best things that I can actually do is to grow less with my business so that I have more time with her. And uh, I want to do what I can to make sure that she is strong and courageous and kind and yeah, and all of those things. Uh, And then the final thing is, you know, I've shared this again in previous episodes, but we have a lot of our family still in India. And one of my dreams is actually to be able to spend some time in India on a regular basis. And I want to sort of set up the the business to be able to do that. And I think we sort of cap growth, right? It creates, capping growth creates, what's the word, like a, a pressure situation, right? It's almost like how are diamonds formed, right? When there is pressure in underground and that's how diamonds are formed, right? In the same way, I think putting pressure on our business, right, makes me optimize and refine things so that ultimately I can build it around my life and the life that I want. Practically, we want to live in India again to be with, spend time with our family. I really hope, you know, my grandmom's still alive. So there are, you know, four generations of folks alive. Uh, both my grandmoms are still alive. And we also want to, you know, I think many of you know this, but, you know, I identify as Christian and one of the things that we really want to do is more missional humanitarian work, both in India, domestically and abroad as well. And so all of that, you know, takes some practical time and energy, which um, I'm grateful for and want to do. And so, but part of that also means that I got to look at things on a holistic basis. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I apologize again if this was long and rambly. and But it's just something that's been on my heart and I wanted to share with you. I would love to hear from you. Um, you can always email me at melvin at sellingthecouch.com and uh, let me know what you think of this episode. Uh, I genuinely want to hear from you because, I, again, you know, I'm eight years into this business journey. I feel like the first couple of years I was so confident about, you know, what I thought was right. And eight years in, I'm realizing how much of a fool I was, you know, and how little I know. And so 
even as I think through this, I know there are nuances that I'm not considering. And I would love to especially hear those uh, because I, I really want to continue to learn and definitely not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. So have a great rest of your day and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.